it scares me sometimes how much me and Chris are on the same page. I could tell punchlines of jokes and he knows them, but he could probably, he doesn't know what I have written here, but he could probably preach this message. That was amazing. You'll see as we go along because my brother Chris believes in the natural and the supernatural. And we will see how that plays into our sermon today. Please find your way in God's word to Luke chapter two, Christmas message today. Follow Christmas message every day. Amen. God gives us the scripture to read, the scriptures to read, to study, to put it into our hearts, not only to know and love God more each time we open the word, but it also gives us a certainty of our faith. I, that gives me comfort to know that I have a certainty of my faith. So before I start today, let's begin with this. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. I love proclaiming to the world, Merry Christmas. It's such a wonderful time of year. You know, the beauty of knowing who Christ is, it is as children of God, is that we, we celebrate Christmas throughout the entire year. We celebrate, we celebrate Christ every day, not just when it is in season, but also out of season. Amen. There should not be a day that goes by for the ones who have put their trust in Jesus that we do not think about how amazing Christmas is. We should always think about the joy that Christmas brings. We should always be full of the Christmas spirit. How about the Holy Spirit? We should be full of the Holy Spirit. Listen, without Christmas, we are doomed. Without Christmas, there is no hope. But since that child was born, there is hope for the ones who know what Christ has done. And in order to have a living hope or that living hope, one must know the true meaning of Christmas. There is more to Christmas than just collecting toys and dying. If Christmas is nothing more than collecting toys to you, then you will die with no hope, no kind, of, no hope of any kind. A life like that has no true joy. A life like that has no everlasting joy. Listen, the only, one, the only way one can have everlasting joy in this life is to know what happens in the afterlife. Does that make sense? You see, it's only when we understand what happens after death are we able to completely enjoy the life that God has given us here today. Amen? Right. All the doom and gloomers will say that we live in a world of no joy, but as believers, we are not discouraged. Why? Because we know that God is at work. The kingdom of God is alive and well. Believe it or not, Pastor Ryan went to New York City. Yeah, New York City. New York City. <laughs> and he went to a church in Times Square. Guess what? They were believers there. They were praising God. The gospel was proclaimed. Amen. If you need proof of the kingdom of God, you have it right there in New York City. God is in control. Even in the midst of darkness, God has his people. Now, as a believer, we can see proof that God is at work everywhere. If God has opened your eyes, then everyone, everywhere you look, you see proof that there is a creator and a sustainer of life. But as an outsider, for the ones who do not know the one true living God, they would say, well, you don't have any hard evidence that, that the God of your book exists. The God of your book. 
They would say all the religions of the world have their books and they all claim that they are the only one who knows who God is. Now, that may be a true statement, but the problem is all of them can't be right. One of them has to be right. So when it comes to life after death, when it comes to what happens to you after you die, it would do one good to find out who is right. Who actually holds the truth about life and death? Now, you would think that every human being would be concerned about this because, but, you know, but a lot of them are not. They just go through life just doing stuff until they stare death in the eye. Mr. Clifford was a man I knew. He was a World War II vet, had the greatest stories, but he was a World War II vet. And he told me, he said, listen, Rob, there's no atheist in foxholes. They all believe in God at that time. The truth is death is real. We have thousands of years of history that give us solid, verifiable evidence that people die. So you would think that to know what happens to one after death would be high priority. But sad to say it's not. The world sets aside a lot of times to celebrate a lot of stuff in their lives, but there are a few that set aside time to really research what happens after death. Even though this is the most important piece of information one could ever obtain, because it is a matter of life and death after death. Everyone should ask themselves these questions. What is the purpose of man? Where did he come from? How did I get here? What happens when this body takes its last breath? Who's right when it comes to salvation? Who is the one true living God? We need to know. We need to know. It is our responsibility to find out who really does possess the truth. So let's begin our search today and find out who has the truth. We will begin our research with who is Jesus Christ. I assume you came here to hear about Jesus because that's what we preach. Who is Jesus? Why does this world celebrate Christmas? Why do we make a big deal about a baby born in a little town in Bethlehem and laid in the manger? Think about that. The world, the world every year makes a big to-do about this baby born in a little bitty town called Bethlehem who was laid in the manger. Make note, as much as the world tries to take Jesus out of Christmas, they can't. By trying to change the name or the time to happy holidays, they're actually telling others about Jesus. If they go happy holidays, I say, why do you say that? Because I don't celebrate the birth of Jesus. Well, thanks for telling me about Jesus. They can't do it. Whether for the right reason or not, the world knows or knows about or celebrates the Christmas season. I saw a special years back about the town of Bethlehem. Uh, that area is now controlled by the Palestinian Authority, and this area used to be populated mainly by Christians, but today the Christians only make up about 5% of the population. Not a Christian-friendly area, but for the Christmas season, for that time, they're friendly to the ones who want to come and see the world-famous town of Bethlehem. They let them in. They like that the people want to come to see what? The birthplace of Christ. They make a dollar. <laughs> Even the Palestinians capitalize on the Christmas season. They may not celebrate it, 
but they know the Christmas story. They know it. They like collecting money when it comes to that baby being born in Bethlehem. And so as you can see, the world does not have a problem when it comes to this baby in the manger. Everybody loves little babies. We look, hey, America, for this baby, our nation shuts down on Christmas Day that whoever wants to celebrate the birth of this baby can do so. And for the ones who do not know the rest of the story when it comes to Christ, when it comes to Jesus, they take the day off also. They may not believe, but they know it is a celebration of Jesus' birth. So for the most part, the world's okay with this baby. They're okay with this little baby Jesus. He's cute like all babies. He's harmless. The little baby's not a threat. We'll celebrate that. It's a joyous time of year, celebrating the birth of Jesus. People are singing. We see choirs singing on TV. We can see him up in the Capitol singing. They are singing beautiful songs about our Savior. People are clapping, talking about how beautiful the decorations are and how beautiful the songs are. Great time of year. Families going to church together, all because of a baby born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger. Think about that one. One of the two times of the year that millions of people gather together in the church just to hear a story about the birth of Jesus, which they have already heard. People come to hear about the birth of a child, an event that they have already heard about. But they make a big plan to come that day. Why? You heard the story. Come on, family. It's Christmas. Let's get dressed up and go to church. And we'll take a picture and post it online and tell everybody we went to church for Christmas. So we have to ask, why would people gather to hear this 2,000-year-old story? It's an old, old story. Why do they want to hear it again and again and again? And the question that we must ask ourselves today it's a question on which we must ponder and meditate to make sure we understand. Why did I come here today to hear about Jesus Christ? Why did I come here? What's so special about this particular baby? They have been literally billions of people who have been born since the birth of Jesus, and yet no one celebrated like Jesus. As great as the day is August the 14th is, and Caitlin Blackwood will attest to that great day, as great as that day of August the 14th is, the world does not take that day off to celebrate either one of our birthdays. They don't do it. Not important. There has to be something very special about this baby Jesus. There has to be something more about this baby than meets the eye. Think about this. Jesus was never a president. He, he did not lead a, a, quote, great earthly army. He wasn't rich. He owned nothing. He actually ended up being hung on a cross. What's so special about this baby? Let's find out. Let's go to the scriptures. What's so special about Jesus? And as we go to the scriptures, we're going to find out what's so special about Jesus. But not only that, we're going to check our faith today. We're going to check our faith. Some, some of you may ask, 
or someone may ask you, hey, why do you why do you go to the scriptures? Why do you go to your book to prove who this baby is or to know about this baby? How do we know the Bible's true? And I always quote Bodie Bauckham what he says this. He answers this by this this way. He says, I choose to believe the scriptures because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They reported supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claimed that their writings are divine rather than human origin. And that's how we're going to look at the scriptures today. Follow me as we go. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. That was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each into his own town. Okay, so let's begin. We have a real event. Anyone can go and research history and know that this was a real event. Caesar Augustus, a real man, gave a real decree. At the time that Quirinius was a real man and was the governor of Syria. Real events recorded by eyewitnesses. We have Luke, the man who penned this letter. He was a doctor and a historian, and he took the time to research to find out what really happened and documented the events that took place when it came to the birth of Jesus. Luke was not an apostle, but he was around when Christ walked this earth. He saw the natural and the supernatural events that took place, and he documented them. Flip over to chapter one, verse one. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word had delivered them to us, it seems good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have, I love it, certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Luke is an eyewitness. He followed closely the events that had taken place. He wrote down an orderly account of those events. Why did he do that? He told us, he showed that, so that Theophilus and everyone throughout history, everyone who's here today and people in the future may have certainty concerning the events that had occurred. God gave us the scriptures so that everyone can be certain about the things of God. After his careful careful investigation, Luke pens this letter for all to understand with absolute certainty who Jesus is and why Jesus has come and what he has done for all of mankind. Luke has written in in a historical document. He was an eyewitness. He wrote down what he saw during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. He reported supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies. Make note. He wrote down the natural events, and he also wrote down the supernatural things of God without hesitation. He didn't try to explain it away. He states it as fact. Why? Because the supernatural events are as true as the natural ones, like the birth of Jesus. And, you know, this is like in, in when I'm studying, I go, okay, I'm going to wait to the end of this sermon and I'm going to give away 
the truth at the end of the sermon, but I can't. It's like I got a secret and I need to tell you now and then we can finish the sermon, okay? You with me? I hate to let the cat out of the bag, but when it comes down to it, this is the reason that the world knows about this baby in the manger. It was because it was a supernatural birth. It was an act of God. The account of the birth of Christ is supernatural. It's filled with angels, predictions, fulfilled prophecy, and miracles. This baby was born king of the Jews. This baby is the creator of the universe, coming into time, revealing himself as savior and as king, revealing himself as the son of God. I gave away the story, but we're going to keep going through. That's the answer to our question. Why is the world still talking about the birth of this child? It's because this birth, the birth of this baby was not a natural event. It was supernatural. Think about that. The creator of the universe has come into time. He has revealed himself to all of mankind. Jesus is more than just a poor kid that was born in a stable. That brings us to a point where we have to examine our own faith. We have to examine our faith. Luke writes this letter so that we can have a certainty about our faith. So let's check it. Let's check it. We've seen the, so we've seen that the world believes that Jesus was born. They even believe that he was born in Bethlehem, a documented natural event. But what separates a child of God from the world is, do we believe that Jesus is more than just a child who was laid in the manger? A test of our faith is do we have believing faith? And it begins by believing that this birth was a supernatural event. Do you know that you know that the birth of Jesus was a supernatural event? Or is it just a story of a kid born in the Middle East? Check your faith. Let's continue chapter 2, verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house of and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling, swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. That's easy to believe. As a matter of fact, that part of the story kind of, you know, pulls on our heartstrings a little bit. No room in the end. Baby born, laid in the manger. That's a touching story. That works our heart. A real natural event. This can be verified, but here's, Here's where the separation from the world begins, verse 8. Now, there was in the, in, the, in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. 
For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Okay, examine your faith. Check it. Do you believe it? Do you believe in your heart that an angel of the Lord came to this earth the night that Christ was born? Do you believe without a doubt that the glory of the Lord had shone around the shepherds? Or is this where you stop believing the scriptures? Is this where you stop? Are you one of those who only believe in the natural events proclaimed in the scriptures and not the supernatural ones? This is where your faith comes in. You know, like Chris just, you know, the guy come and ask him, Chris laid it out. I believe all of this, he says. Do you believe it? Everyone believes that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Everyone believes there were shepherds in the fields. But not everyone believes that the birth of Jesus was announced by the angel of the Lord. I can tell you without a doubt who does believe the angel of the Lord and the announcement that was made. The shepherds do. They do. Matter of fact, they believe in a whole host of angels now. They were there. They were eyewitnesses of a supernatural event. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. None of them questioned what happened. They immediately went to go find out if, the, if what the angel had proclaimed happened, had happened. I'm thinking, did they really need to go verify what they said? If I'm out there in the field and an angel appears in the sky, proclaims a birth, a host of angels join in, the glory of the Lord fills the air, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I, I believe him. I'm good. Shepherd's a lot sharper than I am. But do you know why they went? Do you know why they went? Verse 11. For there is, a, there is born to you this day in the city of David. A savior, a savior who is Christ the Lord. That's why they went. They wanted to see and to worship the savior that the world had been waiting for. They were eyewitnesses of a supernatural event. And they immediately went to investigate this to see if what the angels had said was true. They, they, they find it all to be true. And then they proclaim it to everyone of what they have seen and heard. They had met the savior of the world and they immediately turned into evangelists. They got cheap suits. They started going around town. This is what happens. This is what happens when you find out who this baby in the manger really is. You go and worship and you go and tell. Amen. Verse 16. And they went with haste. How about that? With haste. They didn't say, well, we'll go down there tomorrow and check it out. You know, I don't have time today to find out about this Savior. I'll put it off for another day. 
not these guys. They're sharp. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They made known that this is the Savior that God had promised he would send. They made known this child is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. They couldn't help themselves. They had to tell him. They said, listen, this is not just a poor kid born in the stable. Verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the sheep, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. These boys were in full worship mode this time. Think about that. I don't think they ever came down from that. I wouldn't. I bet that they never grew tired of telling that story. Tell us again how the glory of the Lord filled the sky. Tell us again about the angels proclaiming the Savior has come. Tell us again. And I bet they told it and told it and told it and told it. Never gets old. The, separate, the shepherd saw, a, saw and heard a supernatural event. They know that they know that only God can do a supernatural event. They now, without any doubt, believe in angels. But they're not the only ones who believe. Mary did not question the validity of the angels, did they? Did she? Why? Flip over to chapter 1, verse 26. John, if you'll read that for us. Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 37. And the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, since I know not the man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
Guess what? When the shepherds came and told about what had happened out in the pasture, I guarantee Mary never doubted that story. When they said an angel announced the birth of the Savior, Christ the Lord, she never doubted because an angel had already announced to her that the child to be born will be the Son of God. Faith check. Let's check our faith. Do we believe the whole story of the birth of Jesus? Because so far we have several people who have eyewitnessed a supernatural event that pertains to the birth of this baby laid in the manger and have reported it to others. We have real verifiable people and events. We have Luke, a doctor and a historian. Caesar Augustus, who declares a decree. Shepherds and sheep, Joseph and Mary, no room in the inn. A birth of a child who is laid in a manger, real, natural, verifiable events. Doesn't take faith to believe in those people and events, but it does take faith to believe in the supernatural ones. The definition of supernatural is an event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. Things like the angel Gabriel who visited Mary and informs her about the birth of Christ that was to come. And then we have a host of angels who proclaim the birth of Christ. Who is he and what he will do? These are supernatural events. How deep is your faith? How deep is your faith? Do you believe the entire story about the birth of Christ? Are the supernatural events as real as the natural verifiable ones? Search your heart because it's a matter of life and death after death. Here's something that will test your faith like no other. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow, overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. A virgin birth can be verified, but it is so, so, so important to our faith. So important to our salvation as we see. Check your heart. Do you believe in the virgin birth? You see, the proclamation and the way in which Jesus came to earth was not like any other. Because it was not natural. It was supernatural right down to the virgin birth. And that's why we're still talking about it and celebrating it, you know, today. That's why we are proclaiming the birth of this child who was laid in a manger over 2,000 years ago. We're talking about this baby because the birth of Jesus is the story of the creator of the universe coming into time revealing himself as the son of God, revealing himself to mankind as king and savior of the world in a supernatural act, one that is attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. God came to this earth, the holy, holy, holy God himself came to this earth, was laid in a manger. And when you find out who that baby really is, you can't help but to celebrate Christmas all year long. We celebrate because we know why God came. Chris told us he came to reconcile sinful man to God Almighty. That's where we see the love of God that Chris was talking about. This is where the love of God is revealed to mankind. 
We all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That, that, that means that sin has put a division between us and God. Our relationship with God is broken. We need to be reconciled. We need to be made right with God. We need to be forgiven of our sins. So how does that happen? How can we be forgiven of our sins? How can we close that divide? What can we do to be seen as a righteous person in the eyes of God? What can we do to become a child of God? Here's your answer. Nothing. 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 There's nothing we could do of our own self to satisfy God's requirement for holiness and righteousness in order to spend eternity with him. Absolutely nothing. There is no offering or sacrifice we can give to God. There is no amount of so-called good works we can do to save ourselves. Even if we came to church every Christmas for the rest of our lives, it would not save us. We're all tainted with sin. But on that night, a night like any other night, an angel of the Lord said to all of mankind, said to all of mankind, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the one who saves us from our sin. He sets us free because of God willing to come to this earth and be laid in the manger. We are no longer a slave to sin. That's the good news. We are not in a hopeless state anymore. That's why we say joy to the world. There's joy because the Lord has come. He is that baby that was born in Bethlehem. The Savior who is the Christ is the one who is laid in that manger. That's the one who was called Emmanuel, God with us. He is the one whose precious name is Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, we now have an everlasting joy in our hearts. How's your faith? Do you believe the entire story of the birth of that baby? Do you believe in the natural and supernatural? Or is Christmas just about gifts? You know, for Christmas, many gifts gifts to each other. That's great showing each other love. But do not miss the greatest gift of all. That baby who was born in Bethlehem gave to the world the greatest gift of all. Romans 3.24. We are justified by his grace as a gift. As a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How precious is that? You can't top that gift. I don't care what you buy. You see the commercials. I got you a new car. Really? I don't know anybody like that. But anyways, <laughs> you can't top this gift. You can't. God himself, the gift is God himself has provided the way for man to be reconciled with God. What a gift. He says it's a gift. We are justified by his grace, the word says. We are justified by his love. It is a gift. Nothing we can do to earn this gift. We can only receive it. God is giving to all who will receive it the gift of the forgiveness of sins. God says, take this gift of a right relationship with a righteous and holy, holy God. Take this gift and begin to unwrap it, begin to unpack it.
Now do you see why I say we should be celebrating Christmas every day of the year? Because we are the ones who, re who has received a gift that just keeps on giving. It's better than any Jelly of the Month club out there. It just keeps on giving. Now we know why we're still celebrating the birth of Jesus. It was a supernatural event. It was God coming to this earth to reconcile man with God. But how does that work? How does that happen? You just come here and born, die. How does he reconcile us with God? Jesus came to this earth. We get that. But how does that make us right with God? Let me explain. See, I mentioned sin earlier, right? Every person is a sinner. Every person has sinned against God. What's the payment for sin? Death. So if any of you or I stand before God, we would stand before him guilty as a sinner who has to pay for the sins we have committed. We would have to make the payment required. Payment is death. Give up your life. Payment for sin is death. So you have to make that payment. You make the payment. The problem is you're dead. No eternal life with God. Payment has to be made. You have paid the debt. When we have, so when we stand before God, we have to know this. We have to know this. God cannot overlook sin. God is just. Justice has to be served. The payment has to be made. God cannot overlook sin because he is perfectly righteous. It is impossible for God to just let sin go. He can't say, oh, that's okay. Yeah, I know you sinned. Come on. Come on. Don't let anybody see you. Don't work that way. He can't do that because he is holy. He is holy. So just overlooking sin is not an option. Payment has to be made. So how can we be reconciled? How can that payment of death be made and yet we live? How does God punish sin and yet provide salvation at the same time and not go against who he is? Our Sunday school answer is Jesus. That's how we are justified. This is how we are made right with God. By his grace, a gift, our redemption is in Christ Jesus. The only way one can live and be redeemed is through Christ Jesus. The debt for our sin can only be paid by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It is paid by God himself. That's the real Christmas message right there. For the wages of sin is death. That's where we see that God is just, that God is righteous and holy. But if we read on, we see the love of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the Christmas message. That's the Christmas message. God is so loving, gracious, and merciful that he gave his own son to pay the debt for our sin, to pay the debt that we owed for our sins, that we could not pay our own, on our own and yet live. How does Jesus do that? How does, how does he pay for all of man's debt? How does he do that? He's able to redeem us because he himself is sinless and holy. Jesus is sinless. He does not owe a debt. 
He doesn't owe any debt. Here's where your faith comes in. Remember what I said? Because of the virgin birth, how deep is your faith? That supernatural act is the reason Jesus did not inherit the sin that everyone else has. That virgin birth is a big deal, and it's so, so, so important to our faith. Listen, not only did the virgin birth both fulfill prophecy, it did do that, but it also established Jesus' divine origin. And like I said, it confirmed Christ's sinless humanity. Sinless humanity. That baby in the manger is the son of God who visited us in our frailty and weakness in order to save us from our sins. So important to know this. Listen, so important. If God had not become what we are, man, if God had not become a man, then we would remain where we were, dead in our sins, children of wrath, no salvation. But God, God had to become one of us. He became a man in order to pay the debt that man owed. Remember, God cannot just overlook sin. So here's what he did. Jesus left the glories of heaven and became a man for us in order to reconcile sinful man with the one true living God. And because of the love and the sacrifice of Jesus, we have become by adoption children of God. We have become what Jesus is by nature, sons of God. And by following his spiritual birth, we are all born into the spirit. And we follow the firstborn of the new creation into eternal life where we have joy forevermore. Joy forevermore. How's your faith? You believe in that virgin birth? Because it is so, so important. Because of that supernatural act that God did, the virgin birth, God was able to provide salvation for whosoever would believe. You see, and it took an act of God to provide the forgiveness of sin. Jesus is God, just like the angels proclaim. He is sinless and holy, and that's why his shed blood is able to cover our sins. It is that blood that clothes us in righteousness. And if you have put your trust in the blood of Jesus, if you have put your faith in Jesus, then you are able to go to the throne of God and worship the Lord and Savior because he now sees you as righteous. Righteous. He sees you as a child of God who is debt-free. Debt-free. So when we see that baby in the manger, we see more than just a baby. We see the Savior of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But in order to receive that eternal life with God Almighty, you must trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You must believe in the supernatural acts of God, not just the verifiable ones. You must trust that that baby born in Bethlehem who was laid in the manger paid your debt for your sins. And if you do, you will be saved. You will receive the greatest gift of all, eternity with our gracious, merciful, loving Father. That's the Christmas story. The whole world knows about the Christmas story. And as hard as they would like to get rid of Jesus, he's not going away. He's not going away. 
His birth is the intersection of history. We set our calendar by his birth. <laughs> and he calls out to all. He calls out to all. Come. Come and receive the free gift of eternal life. Look into that manger. Remember what the angels proclaim. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Look in that manger and you can see him. You can call him his name, Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Check your faith. Do you believe the entire story? of the birth of Jesus, natural and the supernatural. Amen? Check your faith.